thesacredjourney.net. I'm a spiritual director, facilitator, and guide, and you're listening to Pilgrim Podcast, a show exploring spirituality and intention in travels and daily life, and what it means to live like a pilgrim at home and abroad. Today I'm talking with Jen Giles Kemper of Sacred Ordinary Days about the liturgical year. But first, I want to tell you about Journey Shop, where I sell handmade and designed resources to inspire your journeys at home and abroad. The Journey Shop is filled with tools for spiritual practice, including my popular liturgical wall calendar, wearable prayer beads, and more. Visit the Journey Shop at asacredjourney.net and look out for my St. Nicholas Day stocking stuffer sale on December 6th. Now, let's begin the journey. Hi, Jen. Hi, Lacey. Fun to be on the other side of a microphone from you. I know. Well, I feel like that I've probably said hi, Jen, that very same way many, many times before when we were uh, recording the Sacred Ordinary Days podcast together. But not in a while. It feels it feels fun to, no. to be doing this again. <laughs> exactly. I uh, guest co-hosted uh, with Jen on her Sacred Ordinary Days podcast. I guess it was like we started two years ago now Mm -hmm. and so we went through an entire liturgical season starting with advent and ending with pentecost and ordinary time um which was such a fun experience and also um one that we can relive each year which i really value about those conversations too because the liturgical seasons which we're talking about today keep coming keep coming around it's true yeah doing that podcast together was was so fun and continues to be um, some of the work that I am proudest of, we get emails on what seems like a daily basis mm. from people who have said that they have just discovered our work and your work, um, thanks to that podcast season. So it's fun and it's fun too to like see listening, continue to go mm-hmm. up now after, after some time. Yeah. So yeah, I know of yeah. even many small groups or Sunday school classes or things like that, that have listened to through them, you know, yeah. as the, as the yeah. year goes by. Yeah, we've been told about a couple of different groups like that, either people who connected with you and shared that with Mm -hmm. you or who connected with us that they were going through it with their small group or um, even their church staff. That's so cool. I mean, I'm I'm glad that we created something that people could use in that way. Yeah. So after you listen to this episode, you should go search for Sacred Ordinary Days podcast if you haven't heard it yet and get started because we are launching this episode right before Advent begins. Right. And all the stuff that we're talking about today, um, it's certainly not a repeat by any means, but um, if you're wanting to go deeper, there's 15 episodes for you exactly. to, go, to go deeper season by season. So well, thanks for having yes. me, Lacey. This is great. Uh, yeah. I'm loving your Pilgrim podcast. Well, thank and, you very much. I'm grateful to, to be a part on this episode. Well, let's start uh, by having you tell us about your spiritual journey. I love to start that way with directees as well as as guests so that we can get to know you and where you are and of course what led you to the liturgical year yeah um I grew up I'm a pastor's kid so I grew up in the church which I'm so grateful for and um growing up with parents who loved the people around them and um loved God and felt loved by God um and then could offer that back to the people mm. in the world around them was such a gift and, and to have experienced that. And, you know, for my very early childhood, I, I'm so grateful. And so, yeah, so I grew up in the church and 
you know, at a young age in elementary school made a personal profession of faith. It was the, the culmination of many years of begging my parents to let me be oh, baptized. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted uh, communion or as we said, the Lord's Supper. I just really right. wanted a snack in church, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it took a long time for, for my parents to feel like I actually mm. knew what that meant mm-hmm. enough to say yes. And of course, none of us knows what that means or is going to mean when we say yes to it. And and also that's the beauty of it, yeah. that we that we say yes to the, to God. Um, what, what's that phrase that you say yes to as much of God as mm. you know, with as much of yourself as you have to offer. Oh, I like and I think that. that's all yeah. any of us do in the moment. Yeah. And that's what I did as a child and then have continued to, to say that yes throughout my life in various ways. Well, that seems like a good definition of faith too. Yeah. And I, I think speaks to the, the pilgrimage of mm, it. Mm-hmm. Um, Always a things continue to unfold. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, in in early college, began to sense a call to ministry, which was pretty revolutionary and 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 earth shaking for me as as a woman that grew up in a tradition Mm -hmm. that um, did not have women in traditional um, vocational ministry, serving on staff in congregations um, as you know ordained ordained members of, of the clergy. And so as I began to sense my call to ministry and to flesh out what that might mean, um, there was so much grace in that period too, to have so many people to come alongside me. And it turns out I had, um, a really small friend group and of, of that small circle, um, over half of us had a sense of call to ministry and came from varying mm-hmm. traditions and denominations. And so um, being able to walk with those women in that season was a particular gift and grace for me. And then um, as time went on, as I you know, began to continue to discern and, and to live into um, my evolving call, um, over time realized that my call was not to traditional vocational ministry serving in a congregation, um, but instead to help people in the work of their own spiritual formation Mm -hmm. and in the spiritual formation of their families and faith lives and and faith communities, um, that that could take another shape. And so over time began to offer spiritual direction as people kept telling me, you know, when this happens, that's actually spiritual direction. You should add that tool to your toolkit. You should, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, learn more about that. Mm. Um, so began to pursue that. And um, through offering that, began to realize that there were a number of tools that I really wanted to be able to put in people's hands mm. beyond a monthly session, beyond um, a weekly church service, that there were tools that needed to exist to be a uh, companion and a guide for people in those in-between moments and so set out to create them. And and one of the ones that we've created is the Sacred Ordinary Days Planner, Mm -hmm. which draws from the liturgical year, the lectionary, and a number of different spiritual practices, including um, the weekly invitation for Sabbath and a weekly invitation for the the prayer of examine, um, as well as 
as well as some others. So it's been really fun and we continue to create resources. We have a few, um, create tools that is, um, we have a few that have been in production for quite some time that I'm excited to finally start sharing with people in this next year. And then the other two key things that, that we do is, um, curate resources. So beyond what we create, um, it's also my heart to be a generous and enthusiastic supporter of other people's good work. And so I'm, I'm grateful for the good work that other people are doing and and really happy to curate that and share that. And then the third is, um, I found that really at my heart, I, I really am a connector. Mm. I am a connector of dots. I'm a connector of ideas and primarily of people. And so gathering people together has really, it's clear that that's central to my call and that there's something about, um, community building that has to be central in, in my work and in our work at sacred ordinary days, um, or I'm just not being faithful. And so, um, yeah, so community building is, is a part of that. And we have a really vibrant community of, um, about 20,000 people that are a part of conversations with us in various mm. spaces and capacities. And, um, that's, that's a pretty cool thing to yeah. be a part of, mm-hmm. frankly. Well, and I know it started with the planner, as you said, and a big focus of that was, was the liturgical year. And it seems like has expanded into spiritual formation, both, I guess, beyond, but also that's exactly what it is, is in everyday life too. Um, those practices and things like that, that we can carry with us throughout the seasons and allows us to deepen our experience of them. So could you tell us what, what is the liturgical year, the seasons, the holy days, et cetera? Yeah. So the liturgical year is often called the church year or the Christian year. And so when we call it the liturgical year, you know, liturgy is just the work of the people. Mm. And Mm. so liturgy is just the way that the church works out its faith day to day, Mm. week to week. Um, so then it follows that the liturgical year is just the way that we do that as a whole body, as a corporate body, um, in relationship to our time. Um, so the details of that is that it's just an annual cycle through seasons and holy days that help us, the church, tie our lives to the life of Christ and to have the anchoring points in that life. Um, and through following that cycle that we really are focused on rehearsing and remembering our story Mm -hmm. as we remember, like continue to bring ourselves back into membership with the rest of the body, um, into our shared life. Yeah. So there are six main seasons Advent, which is a time of preparation for the coming of Jesus. Christmas, which is the season of the coming of Jesus. The real 12 days of Christmas, right? I remember growing up and like, what are the 12 days? And maybe they're the 12 days before Christmas or this or that. And then whenever I discovered the liturgical year, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. It's because you need more than one day to receive Jesus, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. it takes a while. Um, and it takes, you know, you need time to prepare Mm -hmm. and that's, that's how it works. Yeah. And then, um, epiphany, which is the first season of ordinary time, which is a season where Jesus is being revealed as God. Um, Lent then begins the preparation for the death of Jesus. Easter is the celebration of Jesus rising from death. And it sounds like we missed something in there, like the actual death part. Mm. Um, and that just so happens to be that last week in Lent, which we call Holy Week. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And then after the season of Easter, and yes, it also is its own season. Even more than 12 days. <laughs> yeah, it's it's quite a long uh-huh. one. Um, we've got the season after Pentecost, and that is the second season of Ordinary Time. Mm-hmm. And that's when people talk about Ordinary Time, that's usually what they're talking the big, about. Big, long stretch. The second season. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and that is about the disciples um, faithfully carrying on Jesus' work after Jesus ascends into heaven. So that's that's kind of the first season that we that we see mm. this break from Jesus' life, except it's not. It's a continuation. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. it seems like, as you're describing, it's just as much about our lives, too. Absolutely. Yeah, I think this this cycle, this year, is about ordering our time and anchoring our time mm-hmm. to that which matters mm-hmm. most. But it is an invitation that's being extended. It's an offer yeah. um, to inhabit time in this way. What it isn't is a prescriptive thing yeah. that we that we follow, um, which is, of course, why you don't. There are many denominations and traditions and streams within the church that that don't follow it, mm-hmm. and you know that this isn't a part of their shared practice. And that's part of what gets me excited that I come from a tradition that this isn't a long-standing part of our shared life together. And so discovering it yeah. has been so life-giving mm-hmm. that it really prompted me to to share it from the perspective of kind of an outsider to it yeah. initially. Well, let's talk about that because I know uh, you and I grew up in a in a similar tradition. And so, you know, we did Christmas, right? And we did Easter. Uh, Easter Sunday was a big Sunday. And we had all the hymns and this and that and the other. Some really... Up from the Grape Year Rose is one of, one of my favorite ones. Uh-huh. Yeah, and the, the white shoes, you, you know. So we had some good celebrations. Um, and yet, I feel like as I've, over the past five, six, seven years, begun to learn more, lean into kind of almost an additional season as each year has passed or something like that, that my experience of Christmas has been so more, so much more deeply enhanced and the same the same with Easter because I started with that season of preparation of Advent or Lent and continue to challenge myself to celebrate for a long period, which is not easy as well. And so I wonder about um, those people who just do Christmas and Easter. What, what uh, richness does exploring um, the seasons that go beyond on either side of those two have, have to offer them. Yeah, I think, so most of us start with Christmas and Easter. I think even people who find themselves within traditions, um, that would consider themselves liturgical traditions or denominations, mm-hmm. um, you know, probably what you remember from your earliest, yeah, the big one, earliest formative menace, uh, memories are those, those Christmas and Easter celebrations. Mm-hmm. And those are probably the ones that you have the most, um, solidified family traditions mm-hmm. around too, right? <laughs> I guess, are they even like considered, I might be wrong on this, but are they considered like the high holy days? Like they are the two pillars when it comes to liturgical. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you kind of have these two cycles that culminate in these two seasons, um, Christmas mm-hmm. and, and Easter. Um, I think 
in terms of the way we celebrate it, probably most of us think of Christmas as being like the day mm-hmm. of the year. Um, but in reality, that day is Easter. Um, but I think to the extent that you engage with them, they each have their own really beautiful invitation, um, which is, which is why it's fun to go beyond that. My approach has just been that these seasons and holy days are a way that grace is made known to me. Mm. It's a way that I encounter scripture, um, in ways that are really rooted and solid and also that still feels like fresh water being poured into my life. Um, so, you know, if, if sacraments are an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual divine grace, then the liturgical year has been sacrament to me. Um, not sacrament in the traditional formal sense, but sacramental for sure. Um, there are just so many things in scripture and in the life of the church unfolding that are not commanded, but they're offered. And so for me, accepting this invitation, as I said, of living into this ordering of time has has been a gift that helps me be more present, more loving, more faithful, and um, certainly ha- have a greater sense of connection to God, to spirit, to God's church, yeah. to God's people in the world. Well, and I think it's probably coincided with this um, introduction of the liturgical year to my own practice. But as I've even learned, you know, I've always loved the seasons, you know, winter, spring, summer, fall. And we I'm always usually ready for the next. I don't know if I'm ever ready for winter, but I'm always ready <laughs> for the next of the other three. But um, as I've learned to follow those rhythms, the seasonal rhythms with more intention, even learned more about the Celtic seasons as well, which kind of follow those four seasons of the earth and then kind of are split between the solstices and the equinoxes too. Um, it just... Compliment you. You see how actually the, the liturgical year is layered on top of that. At least when it comes to um, you know the northern hemisphere, which is I'm I'm guessing where it got its start in uh, in the church. Eastern and western was still kind of more on the northern hemisphere. That like the the darkest night, as some call it, or you know the shortest day, which is the winter solstice, comes right before the light of Christ. And so kind of really fully going into that dark place and holding that candle, keeping vigil for the light. And the same with Easter. I, I remember learning that Lent means spring. You know, you, you know when I first came to Lent, I, the only thing I had heard about was fasting and this and that. So it just didn't sound too appealing. But um, whenever I learned that Lent means spring and you could almost consider it as a season of spring cleaning in in that preparation type of sense and then of course we've got easter which the date is based on the spring equinox it just it feels and then summer ordinary time that time of abundance um, from planting to growing to harvesting in the fall and yeah i i love it yeah i think that's a great point that there are so many natural organic seasons that our earth goes through that our life goes through and the celebration of these seasons grew out of that because of like, of course it did. It couldn't like you've got humans trying to figure out what it means to live faithfully in the world. And they're experiencing all of these, um, you know, other rhythms that are either anchoring them or perhaps pulling them from anchors. 
Um, and so it makes sense that they would, in making sense of the world around them, create or recreate some anchor points um, in in the places that matter most. And so, I mean, you know, this is probably abundantly clear by now, but like, <laughs> I'm definitely not a scholar of this stuff. I am a, a really committed. Yeah, I'm a really committed student uh-huh. and practitioner. That's exactly what I say. Um, and have really approached it as someone being led by curiosity rooted in my own faith and faith life. And then growing out of that curiosity and discovery, um, has come a desire to share the things that have been really life-giving and faithful, uh, life-giving and helpful for me. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's, there's quite a bit to explore in terms of the history of how these days and seasons came to about, uh, came about. Um, and they do vary a bit from the Catholic church and the Orthodox church and, um, the Protestant church, but you know, in, in scripture, we see that the story of God's people has always unfolded against a backdrop of other days and mm-hmm. seasons. Right. Well, and I think even as you're saying with scripture too, the thought just came to me that you know, the particularities don't matter as much. I mean, obviously Christ wasn't born on December 25th or this or that, but you know, even if you look at the life of Christ, his teaching is through stories, through narrative. And so this is like applying a narrative to our own lives. I know, um, Gertrude Mueller Nelson, who wrote one of my favorite books on the liturgical year to dance with God. And in the introduction, I think she's talking about, um, a conversation her daughter had with a psychologist or something in a, in a screening. And um, I think he was asking about myth. I don't know. I don't know mm-hmm. why that'd be a common conversation with a six-year-old, but I guess it was a gifted <laughs> program or something. But um, she, she it said something about like, um, I don't know if it was facts or what's real is true like in your mind, but myth is true in your heart. And mm-hmm. so the, these stories, these narratives um, really get at the heart like just as the parables did. Sure. And, and there's so there, there are different layers of truth, mm-hmm. right? There's like, there's fact and then there's truth mm-hmm. and they, they don't always, they don't always line up. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm certainly not saying that what the liturgical year is rooted in, that there isn't fact there. It's just, yeah, it, the fact isn't December 25th for Christmas, yeah, right? It doesn't that's, have that's to be. not the fact that uh-huh. matters. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and I think we have, even in creation, we saw God give us a rhythm mm-hmm. and that rhythm started with work and rest. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, the liturgical year grew out of that rhythm, that, that rhythm that started with resting and then eventually grew into the gathered body and worship and the gathered body celebrating Eucharist, yeah. um, weekend and week out. And so, you know, like everything else, it, it starts there. Mm-hmm, it starts with something mm-hmm. small and then grows out as, as the church sees fit, as the church yeah. needs, as the church grows. Mm-hmm. And as these narratives continue to be further and further into the, the corporate memory mm-hmm. of the church yeah. and, um, further away from the minds and experiences and hearts of the individual people. Yeah. That rhythm piece feels like something that's so important to emphasize, like you said, from the story of creation to obviously we're, we're talking where we are now and the development of the liturgical year, but even 
as you're reading scripture, you you can see through the Old Testament different feast days they had, um, as well as yeah. Christ. That's part of Christ's story is you know traveling even to Jerusalem. You know, from the earliest account of him going with his family to the last account, which is the, the Passover, um, before the, the crucifixion, and then beyond that, and so and Pentecost itself is actually um, was is is a Jewish holiday, and so that's everyone was gathered there for that reason. Whenever the events of Pentecost, as we know in the Christian tradition, happened, and so I just feel like that the seeker in us which I feel like is fueled by God, fueled by the sacred guide, who, which is the name I like to use for the Holy Spirit just because it feels very pilgrimage-y, but um, it's leading us toward rhythms. Yeah, I, that's, that's been my experience as well, that spirit invites me to dwell mm. in full presence, invites me to dwell in, um, in rhythm, which certainly does not discredit or mean that there aren't experiences really beautiful, profound, and, and I would even say regular yeah. experiences of spontaneity and, and clarity. But when I am fully present and when I can um, be present to the rhythms that I'm being invited into, yeah. that gives room for the space and the grace, um, for the space, I should say, to receive <laughs> the grace of those other moments. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Something you said um, when describing the seasons, um, seasons of the earth, you said seasons of life, which really stood out to me too. That's something I've learned from myself that as it's, it's almost like Advent, for example, which we're just entering is, you know, practicing, preparing for, you know, when we're talking about rhythms, we're kind of playing that role of preparing for Christ, even though that happened long ago. Um, but also, I feel like engaging in the themes of Advent, waiting, being one of them and keeping vigil has helped me to, um, because I, I, there are seasons of waiting in my life that don't just happen in December every year. Oh, absolutely. And so I, yeah, I think that is their greatest, it creates their greatest gift Yeah, those rhythms mm-hmm. that whenever I come around to one of those seasons of waiting in my life, whether it's a week or a month or a year or more, you know, that, that. I have that memory, not the, not only the kind of mind memory, but the heart, the soul, the spirit memory and, and able to also be with God in a new way because, because of that. I think, I think even practices to draw from, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's not just about the memories and, um, your head and your heart and the, like the muscle memories mm-hmm. of like how you inhabit a season of waiting, a season of preparation, um, but also, you know, you know what scriptures to go to, yeah. you know, what the church does as a whole in a time of preparation. Mm-hmm. We, we sing songs, we, um, prepare our homes. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, you know, you know, you know how to inhabit that season for yourself yeah. because the church has modeled that for mm-hmm. you. And I, yeah, I think that's absolutely one of the greatest gifts of the liturgical year that we all have seasons of, um, longing, of waiting, of groaning, Mm -hmm. of begging, um, and of, of darkness. We are not sure if, and when the light is going to come and that's what Advent is. Um, and I think, 
yeah, like I, in our life, um, we are expecting our first baby right now. And I remember hearing a dear friend of mine, Amber Inscore Essek, um, preach a sermon. Um, I don't remember when she was due, but she was definitely in her third trimester, um, as I am now and preaching a sermon, um, during Advent and something about watching her full swollen body proclaim gospel and invite us into this season, Mm. um, has stood with me. And so now as I find myself kind of rounding, rounding that corner in my own life, um, there's something that I know about how to inhabit this season of preparation and waiting, what to do, what not to do. Frankly, there's a lot of that, that it has been helping me with, um, that I just wouldn't have known otherwise if the church had not extended that invitation to me and modeled that for me. And likewise, um, my husband's father has been diagnosed with ALS and there are certain things that we know about how to prepare our hearts, our homes, our shared family life, um, for his, for his pain and for his ultimate death Mm. that we would not know had I, had I not, had we Mm. not leaned into Mm -hmm. Lent these years. Mm. Um, and it's certainly not a one-to-one you duplicate everything. Mm -hmm. It's exactly the same. No, it's, it's that we're, we're being given language. We're being given shared experience. It's formation. We are, yeah. Ultimately we are being formed. Um, to be people that can live life fully um, and and really into our humanity yeah. fully. Yeah. Well, that feels very true to, I mean, the name Sacred Ordinary Days. And I know what you're about, too, is um, obviously the liturgical year starts with, you know, the stories of Christ. Um, but I know, you know, for a while growing up, for me, it seemed like it was all about aligning yourself to the, you know, you always had to be reading scripture. It was always about this or that. There was the one right way to do something um, that it was always me going to there rather than me bringing that into my life. And so that, right, that right. seems similar that this, that formative piece that taking, yes, you're following Christ's life through the liturgical year, but you're taking that into your own life too, that you become truly this living living word, living body of Christ, not just because you align yourself with these stories year after year, but because you live them in ways that are so much bigger than the words that, that make them. Right. It, it stops being this external alignment mm-hmm. and, and over time becomes an internal alignment, which of course goes with you. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, you, you, you don't need in the same way, mm-hmm. perhaps over time, mm-hmm. you don't need the the specific holiday and holy day to have an experience of engagement with whatever's being celebrated or named. Mm-hmm. Um, we do need those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we need to share those corporately. We need that rehearsing and yeah. remembering that I talked about. Um, but those aren't the only times that you yeah. experience or it's not the end of the story engage with that right it's a right. living story well i want to talk a bit about that community that sacred ordinary days community that you've um, talked about and have developed so faithfully over these past few years first i'd love to know um well this is a two-part question 
because <laughs> Exciting. you know uh, you and I have talked about how we grew up in the church and I, I know of a, a handful of people as well that probably did and um, whether they're still attending church or not any longer they felt some sort of disconnect with um, with the environment they were raised in or um, what they felt like Christianity was and sure. and yet at the same time they they find themselves in in your your audience you know they there's hmm. a seeker part of them um and i imagine out of those 20,000 or so people that there's a good handful of people that felt that disconnection and yet this option of the liturgical year the liturgical seasons um has brought new life kind of like we were saying new life beyond sunday for them whenever it yeah. comes to living out faith and living in welcoming those places too of waiting of darkness um that don't always seem so welcome whenever you feel like you need to be happy and clappy right and that's that's the only option <laughs> that's the only way to be a church person mm-hmm. uh, a jesus person yeah um yeah it's been really interesting to hear the stories and some of my projections about who we might serve mm. were right and some of them were wrong and there's just a lot you know like anything you just don't see until you're until you're there you don't hear until you have someone speaking that you can listen to mm-hmm. i anticipated that we would have folks come alongside us who were in various leadership positions and for whom this was really just rote and dry mm-hmm. and they were over it and were were looking for some um fresh spring uh to kind of reconnect to yeah. and I anticipated that we would have people also in various leadership capacities and ministries and in churches and denominations that, um, because of the call on their life and, and where they were serving, that they might feel fulfilled in, in the work that they were doing for and with others, mm. but might, might not have a strong sense of belonging companionship mm, themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are both certainly true. Um, I also anticipated that we would have kind of cradle, uh, cradle liturgical folks Mm -hmm. who, um, had grown up with this and always, and just wanted to continue to engage with it. Just love it, love it, love it. Right. Uh And that, um, on the opposite end that we would have people for whom they were like, Christmas, what Advent, what Mm -hmm. now, what, you Mm -hmm. know, like, what does this, what does this have to do with me? And why does it matter? Um, and so we have had a really strong commitment from the, from the beginning that our work be rooted in really accessible language and that we, um, offer entry points into the different things that we teach and share in a way that anyone could come to them and understand them. Because initially, as I started learning about a lot of this stuff, it felt like you had to like know the language to learn the language, um, and a lot of the descriptions and books that I referenced just kind of kept me swirling in a circular pattern. They all referenced each other <laughs> and there didn't seem to be like an on, an on ramp mm-hmm. to any of it. For you, where you were coming from. So you created. And I, yeah, mm-hmm. I needed that on ramp. Mm-hmm. And so that has been a, a big part of, of our work. Um, but I think anytime you have something that is simple and pure that has been distilled, um, it is not just for the beginner. It's, it's for all of us. And so that has been our hope that while it be simple and pure and distilled, that it, um, 
be deep and rich and um, mm-hmm. still still meaningful and valuable and worthwhile to, to folks who've been walking with it for alongside. And then I think, you know, we've had a number of people, like you mentioned, that um, don't find themselves connected to a church or to a particular faith tradition at all, but that's just something about this feels true. It feels resonant. It feels um, like it's calling to them. It's reaching out to them. And so I love that, that we can offer this and share this in a way that I think is true to the invitation without some of the shoulds or oughts um, that a lot of us have, have baggage around. Um, whether we continue to carry it or have laid that baggage down is, is up to us. But, the, you know, the, the, some of us would have had baggage around um, from, from different denominational backgrounds. Um, yeah, to kind of re-explore yeah. it afresh. Well, it really feels like an invitation to journey, which perhaps might be what's different as opposed to that this is this is what to believe align with it, but that journeying aspect to me feels like some someone can be who they are and where they are, and um, Absolutely. they don't have to get somewhere right away. Instead, it can be a step-by-step process, a truly seasonal process mm-hmm. uh, of engagement and deepening. And even that there's not an end goal in mind, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's not even like we are marching however, step by step, however seasonally, like we're like marching towards this. You get your certificate at the end and Pentecost. Yeah, no, it's (laughs) you, you, you pick it up and set it down as it makes sense, Mm -hmm. as you can, as you're able, as you're interested Mm -hmm. and, um, trust that the invitations that are right for you will make them themselves known to you, um, if you're present and willing and that you can enjoy the grace and the freedom of knowing that every invitation is not for you yeah, at all times. Well, as we draw this conversation to a close, I've got this kind of set of rapid fire questions um, that I like to ask everyone, but I have a few more. I want to ask you particularly about the liturgical oh, I'm year. Excited. So <laughs> I'd like to know what is your favorite liturgical season? Or holy day? You know, it changes a bit year to year based on um, what's influencing my energy or frankly, my creativity. Um, Cause that, I, I like to play with the seasons and that mm-hmm. is, that's the verb that I, that I use most when I am thinking about them or talking about them is just like, how can I play with yeah. this? How can I um, have fun with it? As if how the season is the it? theme. And so how can you, you right. dance? I know even for you, now like your home, your environment not just your practice or this or that it's your soaps (laughs) yeah yeah I love um I love having a different scent in our home for each season which I mean you know on the one hand who cares on the other hand it helps me to be fully present and it's it's fun and we have people over to our home really regularly and they will comment on the change of soap which is just a fun thing to chat about smells that Maybe it's a soup or this or that that instantly reminds you, or it's the smell of cut grass remind you of childhood or a yes, memory. Like, yes, yes, yes. I imagine that those soaps, after a while, can take you, to, can remind you that. Yeah, that's exactly it. So it's many of us, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so many of us have uh, memories of Easter that are filled with that scent of Easter lilies. So many of us have memories of Christmas that are filled with the scent of 
pine or of cedar or, you know, whatever, whatever grows around your house or you picked up from Lowe's, um, and, or cinnamon, other, other scents. Um, and so, yeah, that was my hope too, to, if I'm gonna, if we're going to go here, let's really go here and let's engage all of our senses and, and Mm. see what comes up or what invitations those, those might offer. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's been fun. And, um, so it changes a bit year to year, but typically Advent or ordinary time, mm-hmm. um, I, I go between those two yeah. as to Well, what do you love about ordinary time since it's mm-hmm. not, not as obvious of a theme I th- and so long. I think <laughs> it is so long. I think part of what I like about it is that there don't seem to be a lot of, um, influencing Mm. factors. Mm -hmm. And so it, it lets me engage with it each year as I come to it. Um, yeah, it can be mine. It can be rooted in what's actually happening in the world at the time, what's actually happening in my family life or in my church community, what's happening in my neighborhood. And yeah. And so then what I'm focusing on is what does it look like to be the church in the world? What does it look like to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world right now. Um, and that's different every year. And so that is fun for me. And I mean, the other thing that I like about it is that it, what I learn in ordinary time, as you said, that's not the only time that feels ordered, numbered, laid out in front of me, um, in my life. And so the, the things that I learn in the season of ordinary time help me through the plotting days of um, well, anything yeah. that just feels like mm-hmm. long and mm-hmm. tedious mm-hmm. Um, or that feels like a countdown just stretching out in front of you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Hmm. Well, and you've touched on this one a bit, um, but what are your favorite traditions tied to these seasons? You've mentioned kind of the new ones, but if you want to add any, um, but also the old traditional ones. I know even whenever we were doing um, our recording together through the liturgical year, there were um, different old traditions that we were each discovering on our own and new ones that we were discovering during that time. And so it seems like perhaps, you know, that's the gift, I guess, of being new to it is that there's something each year that you, you can try out. Right. Right. Well, um, so our nephew joined our family earlier this year and now being able to experience these, Mm -hmm. um, holidays and holy days with a two-year-old in tow (laughs) has been really fun. Mm -hmm. I think it has helped us simplify and streamline and kind of focus on what really matters and enjoy the delight of (laughs) of different things Uh with him. Um, and so I think one of one of the things that I have really enjoyed this last year is just noticing what he notices Mm -hmm. and noticing what he remembers and talks about wanting to do next year. Um, I, I didn't grow up in a family with a lot of, uh, really fixed traditions. My family needed to be. And so thankfully they, they were really flexible. Uh, my dad's a minister and all of our extended family lived really far away. And so the way that we engaged the, the seasons and even like our birthdays or special occasions at school, like was just different every year based on church schedule and extended family schedule. 
And so, um, yeah, seeing what really delights Guy and what he talks about and references has been has been really fun. And the one of the ones that he's talked about a lot is um, that he wants to to plant a garden again mm-hmm. next spring, mm-hmm. and that he liked he liked bringing in sticks <laughs> when we did that, and then he liked planting a garden. And we did, you know, he doesn't yeah. know that that had anything to do with uh-huh. Lent or Easter, but it did for me. Yeah. And so it's it's cool to see that unfold for him. Well, and what a gift to. You know, this, I know this will be the first Advent and Christmas that he's been with you and your family. And so to offer that to him, even though he's two and not having it, the understanding that you have of it, that you get to give this gift of what's been so meaningful and formative to you to him at an early age. Yeah. And, and I think largely without, um, <laughs> without expectation, yeah. that has been nice uh-huh. too, that like, we didn't have a lot of warning that he was joining uh-huh. our family. And so we also haven't, haven't felt the need to like go out of our way in any, in any particular ways. Um, and so like we have just inhabited our life this last year, the way that any brand new parents would and people with a relatively new business and, um, you know, like we're just, we're figuring it out like everybody else. And it's nice to fold him into that without a bunch of extra expectation. And I imagine like, like you were saying before that practicing the seasons has prepared you for this in ways you might not have been prepared otherwise this season of your life. So much, Mm -hmm. so much. Yes. That's like a whole other lengthy conversation, Uh but yes, 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 yes. Okay. Well, the last question about the liturgical year I wanted to ask you is which season or holy day is most challenging to you? Hmm. Epiphany is hard. Epiphany, uh, by the time it rolls around, many of us are exhausted, myself included, um, and ready for rest, or we are like in a little pocket of rest. So um, now that Grant and I work together full time, but even when he was in engineering, um, their their company was shut down at the end of the year, um, at between Christmas and you know, the first few days of the new year. And so we're used to having that time together and we've, we've carried that into, you know, our, our company's rhythm now. And so that little pocket of time is so special to me and I, and, and to our family rhythm and like, it's, it's necessary at this point. If, if something were to happen that meant we couldn't take that, that week off, um, towards the end of the year and the beginning of the year, I think we would really feel it's lost now. Um, and so I find myself just really not knowing what to make of epiphany, um, a lot of years and wanting to rest, but also wanting to throw a big party and invite all our friends. As we talked about in the epiphany episode, our friends, Jesse and Gerard Brown do that. Um, they have a podcast called marriage is funny and they talk about their epiphany party, um, on their podcast, but, um, I found myself really wanting to throw a party. And also at that point, I will be a month out from having a baby. Yeah. Well, that's what was coming to mind to me is if, you know, if you kind of take the epiphany themes throughout that whole first season of ordinary time, you'll be giving birth, you know, well, you'll be kind of right on the edge because I know Lent starts not long after. So depending on how right. things go, but like, this will be a different epiphany for you. It will. <laughs> it will. Um, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to 
see what comes up for me this year, play with it in this new way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it definitely tends to be um, the biggest challenge for me. Yeah. If it, if you were having a girl, I would think you should name her Epiphany. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a great name. I wish you had a suggestion related to that if we're having a boy which we are because we have no well, idea how we about one of, what are the wise men's names supposedly they're like oh there you go kind of ridiculous um i don't remember what they are Mel- i don't Be- remember like what they Belthazar are or Mel- Mel- it looks Malcazar, like choir, but I don't know it. yeah there you we'll, go. Have, we'll have to circle back it. to that but uh <laughs> i'll let grant know yeah that's that's my two cents we'll do a vote and uh then you can just go with whatever people want most There you go. (laughs) Okay, well, if you were going on pilgrimage, where would you want to go next? Hmm. Uh, so there's a place that's really, really special to me and it's not that far from my house. So this feels kind of like a miss because I could say somewhere really far away. Um, but Lady Lodge has, has been a really important part of my spiritual life and journey. And they were under construction for this last year, did a, did a pretty major renovation. Um, it's down in Leakey, Texas. And I have not been since they reopened and I'm really hoping to go soon. Um, but that's the, you know, that, that place is the, is a repeatable pilgrimage for me. Yeah. A place of transformation and a sacred encounter for you. Yeah. Well, what, I know we've talked about, I could guess one of the journeys you're on right now in your everyday life, but you can add to that, or perhaps there's a different journey you're on in your everyday life too. Hmm. Um, yeah, so becoming parents in this last year has certainly been a journey that Grant and I have been on and I'm still like, you know, we've, we've hoped to have children for a long time, did, um, foster training this time last year and certification. And so we have been open and, um, waiting and preparing in lots of ways for, for years for the season. And at the same time, um, gosh, when, when you just become a parent kind of all of a sudden or in ways that you didn't expect. Well, and it's still such a surprise the way it's unfolded. You know, if we were talking a year ago to today, not only did you not know perhaps that early in the year you would have a new child in your house, but it would be your nephew. And you certainly didn't know that you'd be pregnant. And absolutely. Yeah. Soon. Yeah, or even I, a year ago, I I wasn't even sure if we were going to finish our foster certification. We were just beginning to discern that. Um, so that has certainly been a, a pivotal, a pivotal, a pivotal journey for us this last year. And then I would also say, um, and perhaps it's alongside that, or I'm not sure they're totally related, but um, my own sense of calling to what work I do in the world has shifted and continues to shift. And beyond only helping create tools that help people engage with spirit, engage with God, um, engage with spiritual practices that have been helpful for Christians for centuries, um, I am also finding myself with a with a sense of call to the unity of the church, 
And that sounds like a big thing because it is, and I'm beginning to flesh out what my, what my role in that might be. Um, but my sense right now is that it has something to do with this community that we've been cultivating called common house. We're about to put it under renovation, which I'm realizing lady lodge just did that. So that, uh, I'm going to have to think on that connection a little (laughs) bit more, but, um, we're about to put common house under renovation, um, you know, less than a year after we opened the doors initially, um, because the, the call that I have for it is, is bigger than how we have built it now. And, um, it needs some new rhythms, some new leadership, some new, um, care that it doesn't have at the moment. And it also needs a new, a new way of bringing people in and sustaining people once they are in. And so, yeah, that, that's a big journey that I'm on. And we actually anticipate that our entire focus as a business, as a ministry, because as we talked about earlier, um, yes, they can be the same thing. Um, is all shifting to be focused on common house this next year. Um, not, not at the loss of our planners or the other things that we're doing. Um, but we really have felt like our products, our offerings are in the service of our community and in the service ultimately of the church. And I felt that from the very beginning. And so we are restructuring our business to make that clearer rather than our community, um, being in service of our products. That was never our intent. Um, so yeah, that's, (laughs) that's a big, big daunting journey and being able to share, um, a weekend of discernment and, and planning with our mutual friend and colleague, Christiane Squires of bookwifery.com, um, has been really pivotal in helping me clarify that, that sense of calling and um, what it might become. Exactly. Well, speaking of the planner, I know that we've got one to give away to mm-hmm. a listener. And so I'm going to share details about how you can enter that giveaway at the end of this episode. But apart from engaging with, with your planner that they can find first at sacredordinarydays.com, and it begins not with January, right? But with, with Advent. The beginning of Advent. That's right. Um, are there um, a few quick, we've just got like a minute left, but a few quick suggestions of whether it's starting now with Advent or engaging the liturgical year um, beyond that you could offer? Yeah, I think um, start with where you are. So as you're listening to this, you're probably in about to enter into the season of Advent. So start there. Um, on, on our website, we've got some resource pages, including a resource page for specifically Advent. You can click resources up in the upper link. And I know Lacey has a number of really, um, wonderful, helpful posts on her site, uh, many of which we've linked to on our resource page. Um, and yeah, I would say start there. I would say if you aren't in a liturgical church or denomination now, you might ask some friends who are and see if you can go to church with them sometime in this next, um, next month or so before Christmas. Um, and then beyond that, I know we both have some favorite, some favorite books, but I would say like we've compiled a resource called, uh, we, could, we just called our essentials workbook. Um, but it gives you some entry points into each of the liturgical seasons in a way that is spacious and gracious and, is invitational. Yeah. And people can get up by signing up at your site, right? Yep. 
you can find that um, at sacredordinarydays.com. When you sign up for our newsletter list, we'll send it to you. Well, thank you so much, Jen. Can you send us with, with a blessing? Yes, ma'am. This has been something I have missed so much. Oh God of all the prophets, you herald the coming of the Son of Man by wondrous signs in the heavens and on the earth. Guard our hearts from despair so that we in the company of the faithful and by the power of your Holy Spirit may be found ready to raise our heads at the coming near of our redemption, the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining with us today. Find episode notes and sign up to receive updates at sacredjourney.net slash podcast and subscribe to Pilgrim Podcast through Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a thing. Like I mentioned earlier in the interview with Jen, we are giving away a new Sacred Ordinary Days liturgical day planner for the upcoming year. To enter, all you have to do is leave an iTunes review of Pilgrim Podcast by December 5th. If you've already left a review, you'll be automatically entered, and I'll share the winner with my email list on December 6th. So be sure to subscribe at asacredjourney.net slash subscribe so you don't miss it. To find out how to leave an iTunes review, visit asacredjourney.net slash podcast. I'll see you in the new year for more conversations on spirituality and intention in travels and daily life and what it means to live like a pilgrim at home and abroad. Until then, blessings on the journey. Thank you.